Hey, everybody, it's Natalie Gold with the Gold Standard, and I am so thrilled to be here with my friend Casey Graham. Hey, Casey. Hey, Natalie. Are you fired up? I am so on fire always and so ready, and clearly you are too, my friend. So let me tell you about this super fiery cat on the other end. (laughs) Daisy Graham is the co-founder and CEO of Gravy, the leading failed payment recovery and customer retention solution for recurring revenue companies. Prior to launching Gravy, Casey is known for founding The Rocket Company, an organization that helped church leaders scale their financial leadership and fundraising. The company grew so quickly in the years of his tenure that he was on the Inc. 5000 list three years in a row, sold the company, and exited to a venture capital group. His passion for entrepreneurship and bold vision for leadership are the driving force behind his energetic and engaging presence. I'll say, when he's not actively (laughs) driving gravy forward, he's he's spending time with his wife and kids, the best thing ever. A good cigar, Alabama football. Yes. All right. Well, I'm a Buckeye fan, but we we all talk about it and riding around on a rented tractor. What's up, Casey? What's up? That uh that bio is something special. I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think Casey that you haven't ever heard anyone deliver it with such. That's what it is. Hot, that's the thing. That's you what it is. I have to say I'm nervous. I have to say I'm nervous. I I I'm nervous because you're a lawyer. <laughs> and so that's the I'm, last thing I want you to think of me of. Although, of course, yes, I am. No, I'm scared. I'm scared you're going to send me a bill when we get off the phone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are you sending me a bill? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> I love it. I love so, it. no, for real. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And and Casey, look, like it's such a pleasure to be with you. We connected on LinkedIn, which is mm-hmm. really an amazing platform. And what you're doing at Gravy yeah. is super. And Casey, look, a lot of people want or think they want to be a CEO. They have no clue what that means. Yeah. Can you take us through like your day to day? Um, Yeah, but startup day to day versus today's day to day are two totally different things. And so if we fast forward to today, um, you know, I spend a lot of time on uh, my job now is external So most people think a CEO's job is to manage the company. Um, I think 90% of my role and time is external. And what I mean by that is sniffing out opportunities. So for instance, a year ago, Gravy wasn't on LinkedIn. Not one person was consistently posting. It was just this platform we thought was just, you know, where you had a resume and if you were looking for a job, you wouldn't update it. And that's, that's what I knew of it. And that's what everybody knew of it one year ago. And we started sniffing around and I got on there one day and saw the content and kind of got sucked in. And I was like, I made a post and I'm like, you know, there's a thousand people that read a post. I was like, you can't get a thousand people to read anything. Like that's, that, that's, that's expensive to pay for that kind of exposure. And so uh, anyway, sniffed the opportunity out, then went, Oh my God, this is huge. And then started digging down that, you know, uh, rabbit hole. That's, that's an example of like sniffing opportunities. Um, That's, that's my, Uh, If you had to say, Casey, what's your strength? My strength is the ability to know where the oil is, um, to know where to drill. And so um, that's what I do a lot of. And so I spend a lot of, I'm I'm more of a, I'm an artist. So I'm more of a creative CEO. Um, I'm a terrible manager of people. Um, I'm horrible. (laughs) Um, I I am good at leading the organization. I'm terrible at managing the people to get the job done. I'm just not good at it. Make up for that, right? Because we need uh, yeah. to 
Well, I've had a co-founder that's been my right hand. Her name's Renee, and she's been my right hand, and she's the chief of staff uh, for 18 years. Um, and so every venture that we've gone through, um, literally starting as interns together after college, we've been together ever since then in every single venture. And so she is the, com- I'm the starter, she's the finisher. Um, I'm the vision, she's the operations. I'm the, I'm the passion, uh, she's the empathy. Um, you know, we can go, we can go, it, it's just it's literally. looking for a Renee. So do me a favor. If you get a clone of Renee, send them my yep. way. Cause I need. I them. used, I used to own a website called find a Renee.com. Seriously. No because everybody's like, I want a Renee. I want a Renee. And I'm like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, the point of it is, is that I think together we're like, together we make up a CEO. <laughs> Like together we make up like what a traditional, like, I guess, Wall Street CEO would look like. Um, But in and of itself, I'm just an entrepreneur redneck from Alabama that likes to drink wine out of a red solo cup and I get in trouble and I hate the rules. And she is somebody that's steady and consistent and stays, you know, and manages people well and loves people well on the process. And so that's, that's why it works, if I'm being frank. Casey, you know, I think we're very similar, except for I'm a New York girl between New York, LA, but now... I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm in Colorado right now. So I'm learning. I'm learning a little bit about your world, which I love. Look, Casey, you know, you went from a very successful yeah. venture rocket company in 5,000, sold it, yep. and then started Gravy. So what was the opportunity at Gravy that you saw that you wanted to be part of? Well, you know, I didn't. That's why everybody thinks I make up like I'm just sitting there one day and I have all these wonderful ideas. And so really, um, Gravy came because uh, somebody wanted to buy the the rocket company, a private equity group. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this and you're an entrepreneur, it sounds really sexy to sell your company. Um, it's not the, the payoff is great. Right. So you get money. But the process to sell your company is extremely hard. Sucks. <laughs> The do, so so they, so they do a letter of intent. And so they say, we'll pay you X amount. And then they get you into due diligence, which is essentially saying, I'm going to get you butt ass naked. And I'm going to tell you every single thing that's wrong with you and make you feel insecure and that we're not going to buy it. And then we're going to lower the price on you. That's the, that's the Casey version of it. And so, so there I was like sitting, 40 girls who are like, get naked and we're going to circle your fat. Not that that would ever happen <laughs> anywhere, but basically that's what they are. Okay. Got it. So, and so that's what, that's what it feels. So within one hour, um, when they were in due diligence, we were sitting across the table and before I finished my coffee, I lost millions of dollars and they dropped their offer like significant. And they said, your company's not sticky. And I was like, what the hell does your company's not sticky mean? And so, uh, they started going through what's called a, uh, churn waterfall. And they started looking at cohorts, um, of different customers and said, Hey, this cohort at month seven, they fell off. And at month 19, these people were dropping off and they started breaking down all of the stuff that was happening for people that were paying on a subscription. And I was trying to go, guys, look at all the sales. And they're going, no, no, no. We're looking at like how long people stay and pay. Because when we buy it, that's what we're buying. Right. And so they dropped their price. And so for two years, I was mad. So we went back to the drawing board. And for two years, we fixed the problem that we solved, which is churn. Uh, and it's and it's um, churn that is, comes from uh, payment failure. And that's literally that people just, their cards on file. And for some reason it's happened to you. It happens to me. It happens to everybody that the bank rejects it or the, 
there's insufficient funds or you you get you changed your credit card or you left it at a bar there's all these different different reasons that it, that it happens and that's why people were going out the back door so we fixed that problem at gravy and fixing that problem at gravy then became the uh, the beginning of now essentially what gravy is is the system the leadership the technology everything we built to fix it at gravy that's what, I mean, I'm sorry, at the rocket company, that is what has become gravy, that one little part of the process. And so now what we figured out, we just do for other companies uh, for, for less than the, the price of a part-time employee. That's amazing. So basically what well, you're also like, you're solving a huge issue, which is making sure that the company is yeah. paid when the person said that they were going to pay. And sometimes it's like, you know, how many times have I changed a credit card number? It's not sure. malicious. It just no. happens. And also you're allowing companies to save face because first of all, no one wants to make that phone call. No, nobody goes to a high school career day saying, you know what? When I get older, my dream job is to call people who have a credit card issue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Casey, that goes to one of my main pillars is let's start teaching those kids about some damn financial literacy, which you they know won't do it. They won't do it. I don't know why they won't. Well, I do. I think I know why, but that's a, that's for another podcast. <laughs> you want to keep us stupid and do yes. whatever. Right. But we're going to change that Casey, you and me. So, so look, Casey, you know, you are the vision. You have an amazing co-founder with you, Renee, who really does the operations. I think it's so important that you bring that out on the forefront because so many people think they have to do it all on their own on this entrepreneurial no. journey. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the way to, well, let, let me start here. So I'm writing a book. Okay. And one of the big pillars uh, that I learned that I didn't have in rocket company days and before then, and that you catch me now, you still may think, you know, he's this crazy wild guy or whatever. And I may have a personality that way, but I'm relentlessly focused on our business, staying simple and staying focused on one thing. Most people, entrepreneurs, they have vision of the month club, new ideas, new ideas, new wear out their team, wear out their stuff. And so one of the things that I write about in the book is, don't take, you don't, if you don't want to scale your business, don't do it. If you want to be a one man band and that's, and you want to do it all, decide that and do it, but don't be a one man band and say, you want to grow your business and then you do it all. So everything comes back to this term that we call owner's intent. Owner's intent is when you make a decision because you're really a Siamese twin. If you own the business and you operate the business, those are two different roles, which you know as a lawyer just from paperwork, that there's owner paperwork, and then you hire the person to run the business. Well, when those people are one, that's what creates the frustration and the friction of being a business owner. Okay. It's not because you, it, it's, it's because they're at war with each other because the business owner hasn't decided what they want. And I've asked, literally, I've, I've asked, I could ask you, I could ask many people, I've asked tons of people, tell me what you want out of your business. And everybody rambles. They ramble and they'll tell me everything they don't want. And so what I teach people is get very clear on the one statement that you say that your owner's intent is, and that's what the owner wants from the business. Then as the operator of the business, then you can go and you can execute against that. So for me, my owner's intent for gravy is to build a company that my adult children would want to work at someday if they so chose to. That's it. That's how we're, that's why we're building, but that shouldn't be yours. Like I met a guy at the gym and he makes knives. And I was like, dude, he, he minimum to buy knives. That's yeah. not scary at all. 
<laughs> hey, mi- minimum, minimum to buy a knife is $10,000 for one of his knives. Whoa. Maximum 50 to 75,000. And he's hey, got a line. Does that guy have an estate plan? I think he needs to talk to me seriously. <laughs> so, 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 so this guy, the, the, the point here, I know I went around the world, but this is very important for anybody listening. That's an owner of a business is I started telling him like, Hey dude, People waiting nine months. If you just hired two people, you could, you know, speed up the timeline and you can make triple the revenue. All this, and I've done all this kind of stuff. And I was trying to give him my owner's intent of what I would do in his business. And he looked back at me and he said, I decided when I started this that I enjoy making knives by myself. And I was going to be a premium knife maker. And that's what brings me joy. And that's what I've decided to do. And I will not have any employees. And I know the replicate. I know, I know what that means. And, but that's why people buy the knives from me is because they can't get them from me. And I was like, he has his owner's intent. And so my question for you or for the people listening would be, what's your owner's intent? Because out of that, then it answers every other question from your business. And so now for me, to build a business that my adult kids would want to work at one day, it, it answers the hiring, how we spend, do we raise money? What do we do with our legal? What do we do with our, all the different stuff? So long story short, owner's intent, very important. I, I just love that, you know, because look, as an entrepreneur, yes, I am a lawyer, but I'm very much totally atypical entrepreneur. Like I'm an entrepreneur more so than I'm a lawyer. Right. And often you're right. That owner's intent versus the operator. Yeah they come head to head often. Yeah. So in intimate relationships, there's this thing that I've learned called the crazy cycle. (laughs) And so crazy cycle is this idea that uh, in any intimate relationship, you've got two parties and essentially what you'll find in most relationships is that somebody really desires love and somebody really desires respect. It kind of works out this way. Am I stereotyping probably a little bit, but if you just look, it kind of works out. And so if the person who wants love doesn't feel love, then they're not going to give, they're going to disrespect the person who wants respect. And then it becomes this crazy cycle. And so finally, somebody has to just make a decision to change no matter how they feel. Well, the same is true in business is that you've got your owner who wants to be satisfied and happy. They want to be a happy owner. Like you don't start a business to be miserable. So I want to be a happy owner, but what happens is the op, because the owner is not clear about what would make them happy, they haven't decided. The operator, what they want to do is be motivated. They want to, you get into business to, to choose your own path. I don't have a boss. I'm going to do this thing. But if the owner hasn't been clear, the operator, uh, you can't make, they're not going to be motivated. So an unsatisfied owner creates an unmotivated operator. And so the unmotivated operator can't give satisfaction to what the owner wants. And so it creates a crazy cycle inside of our head as entrepreneurs that if we don't write these things out and separate them, then we're never going to be able to build the business that uh, gives us the fulfillment that we want in starting it in the first place. Casey, it's brilliant and so true. I mean, look, I'm thinking my own life. I'm sure this is universal truth. Oh, it's universal. hundred percent. How do we figure out that owner's intent? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's a process that we walk people through, but basically here's um, the, the number one thing that I, I believe that you, you find under tent is most people that own businesses, there's three different reasons of why. Again, these are very macro. The first is an income intent. The second is a, is an independence or time 
intent. And the third is an influence or impact. So money, time, or impact. Like if I cut out, if I've talked to a thousand entrepreneurs, it's either an amount of money they want, amount of freedom they want with their time or some type of influence. So um, that's where you start. And so the question I ask is inside of money, if you were, I mean, let's just do it right now. You know, like, I mean, what kind of money do you want? You don't have to say a specific answer, but if it was like, well, for $100 I, million dollars. I, okay. Yeah. So that's what I had somebody tell me one time. I want to sell for a hundred million dollars. Okay. So then I say, okay, buy when? So by that, 20, by June 16th, 2025. All right. June 16th, 2025. Okay. So wh- here's the next question down. Why is a hundred million dollars important to you? Because the amount of checks and things I could fund with that money would be world changing for the masses. I know, but why is being world changing for the masses important to you? Because I'm going to be a world leader on the mass stage and what better okay, way to do that? But why is that important to you? Why is being a world leader important to you? Because if it's not at the level of world, is it really worthwhile? Okay, but why is it why does it matter if it's at world? Why does it have to be that? I don't know. <laughs> it just, okay. It, so what you told me now, now, again, there's no judgment in this, by the way. So you said a hundred million, yeah. the next, the next why, when I pressure test it is what I can do with the money for the masses. The next why it keep coming down. And essentially what you're telling me is you're, you don't care about the hundred million. You care about being a world leader. Correct. Okay. So the hundred million is not your owner's intent. That's just something you made up to get you to what your real owner's intent is. Which and is and if I worked with, influence. do what? which is the impact and influence. That's what it is. So what I'm saying for you is you think it's money, but it's not. And so I would drive down and drive you down that pathway, get down and go, oh, I hear influence. Oh, she's influence impact. Then we would say, okay, influence impact. What do you care about influence impact? And we don't have to do it, but- then Financial literacy for the world, for women and children. There, see, and then I would drive down through that and say how many and where and all that stuff. And by the end of it, we could get to the end of this literally in a few minutes and go, your owner's intent is simply that you want financial literacy for people who had it because you didn't growing up and it will change their life or whatever. Now, that's a good owner's intent. And you could do that and have $10 million. You don't have to have 100. Or, a so we just, or whatever. It doesn't really whatever. matter. Right. That's what I'm saying. And so I just released your head from reading articles about becoming the next unicorn because you don't need to, to do that. So that's the power of owner's intent. And then from that point, you go, if there's anything that violates that, we don't do it. If there's anything that violates that, we don't spend on it. If there's opportunities that come up that fit that, we do it. It's a decision-making filter. It's a financial filter. It's a hiring filter. It's an everything filter. And so that's what owner's intent, that's the power of it. You just blew my mind and I'm sure everyone watching is going to be so much better. I mean, look, how many years of your life do we spend in that vicious cycle? Yeah. And I call it, do you know what ruins more owners lives than anything? What? I call it watching owners porn. So (laughs) here's, you know what owners porn is? No. (laughs) It's basically all the link 
LinkedIn articles that talk about the unicorn and talk about the fundraising series and talk about the success magazine of what success is and business. The thing that's celebrated in culture is financial success for the business and being known and it comes from money. And so what happens is, is that we base with most of the people are looking and they're going, yeah, but we're, we're not where gong is, or we're not where she is, or we're not where whatever. And so essentially what that is, is fantasy. So that's the porn side is that it's fantasy. And what fantasy does to your relationships is it makes you dissatisfied with reality. And so you come home to your reality and you're going, I'm not anywhere near there. And that's what creates the, the mental head trash that allows people to not feel fulfilled in their business. And so that's why I'm saying you got to turn off the owner's porn and you've got to focus down on what Casey, your owner's what the hell are you is. doing as a CEO of Gravy? You need to be on world stages, my friend. That's not my point. My, my owner's <laughs> intent is to build a company that my adult kids would want to work at. <laughs> I love it. And we'll, we'll squeeze in the podcast here and there. I love that. So, yeah, no, but, 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 but this is, um, this is, this matters to me because I didn't have it. And I sold the company and two weeks later, I was suicidal. I had millions and millions of dollars and I had no idea why I existed. I had no, I had no purpose. Um, I lost my, I sold and walked out. Like I handed the keys over and I was gone. And so all these people that we had recruited and hired, and then I got my check and I felt like I sold them. I felt like I sold my soul. I felt like I sold my purpose. I felt like I sold my structure of time. I felt like I sold a lot of those things. And I was just sitting there and I felt like, I felt like Judas. I felt like I turned in Jesus. I felt like I was this guy that got the bag of gold, but I would sit there and look at my bank account and it just didn't do anything for me. Casey, I love that you said that because I deal with wealth. I deal with inheritance. I deal with structuring business exits and making Mm. them really successful, but that's only part of it. And what no one talks about is what you just said, which is why do lottery owners end up bankrupt? Why do people who inherit, you know, and you built it, earned it, sold it. And you felt that way. So how did you come to terms with that? Uh, it took 14 months. It took counseling every week. Um, and it took, um, me learning that the reason I was driven to success was when I was a kid, one of my favorite, that was really, I was athletic. And so one of the things that, that I, that I really excelled in, uh, being baseball, playing college, this and the other, but I always loved being able to look in the stands and my dad, you know, be proud of me. Um, that mattered to me. And I think it matters. A lot of people say that doesn't matter to me. Well, most people I feel that they have somebody in their life that they want to look up on the stands and feel like they matter. And what I didn't realize is that until I was 36 years old, I was building these businesses. Essentially, they were my new baseball field. And I was looking over and now it wasn't in the stands. I was hoping to get the phone call and I was just wanting my dad to be proud of me. And I didn't know that. I didn't, I, 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 I did I was driven by that. I was going to prove them wrong. I came from small town. You know, they, they told me, Hey, you need to be a lawyer right now, my friend. So, 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 so I didn't know that. And so essentially I was trying to solve an internal brokenness with an external uh, success and it never worked. 
And so I've tried it all. I've done it all. I've experienced it all. I've done all the pleasures of the world and it's none of it has ever filled my soul. And so I had to come to the bottom. And then from there, weekly counseling, uh, staying in it with my friends, with my close relationships. And then over about a 14 month period, um, I went from the bottom to um, starting gravy at, at, at a place of humility of going, my goal is not to do this to get rich. I want to help people. I want stories. And that's why I'm here. You know, Casey, you are so raw. And every single person watching this is going through some, I mean, look, our soul has a mission on this earth, which is why we're here. Yeah. And so many of us feel that emptiness and then try yeah. to fill it with outside crap. Yep. Which feels good for three seconds, and then yeah. we're back even worse than square one. Yeah. You are an incredibly brave human being, and thank you for really showing us yourself. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I don't – so sometimes it comes across maybe as like trying to be shock value or say these things. And for me, really what it is is I think I want my life to serve as a warning, and I want my life to serve as an example. Um, and the warning, and I feel like I spend a lot of my time helping people go like, guys, I'm telling you, because I talked to a guy upstairs, he sold his company for $5 billion. He's miserable. You know why? His relationships are all messed up. And if your relationships are a mess, your life feels like a mess. And so he had, he sold for $5 billion and I'm standing next to the coffee machine, getting the same espresso. And I feel like I, my, not, not, not from a comparison standpoint, but I can just tell he doesn't have joy. He doesn't have, he doesn't have fulfillment. His soul is empty and his bank account is so full. And again, I'm not against bank accounts being great. God full, bless me. Great. And the more the merrier. They will never, it will never cure your soul. And so I believe you can do, you don't have to hit the bottom to do it. And that's why I share my story is to say, Hopefully this helps people um, before they go too far down the pathway, uh, you know, correct the course. Beautiful. Casey, you have just been such a pleasure. Truly one of my favorite guests on the podcast. I can't wait to share your beautiful story and truly uplifting and inspiring message. And I can't wait to see this amazing company you continue to build that your adult children will want to work in. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Casey.